Work is a source of joy. Our work is a source of frustration. Our work demands untold hours of our time. Our work is an inevitable part of our identity. It is for good reason that one of the first questions that we ask one another as we get to know them is, what do you do? Work is important. It's important to who we are and it's important to our Christian faith and therefore it's appropriate on this Labor Day Sunday for us to think a little bit about work. We'll do so primarily by hearing from one of our parishioners about their particulars of their work, but you'll indulge me please in a few introductory remarks about work. From the chapter in Genesis which we read, Genesis chapter 1, we find two important attributes of any work. We find first the dignity of work. Any child that I have ever encountered has always been eager to share in some way in their parents' work. That enthusiasm is often very particular. I never met a child that is enthusiastic about scrubbing bathrooms, but swinging a hammer or anything that requires a power tool Kids want to jump in. They want to lend a hand. There is a natural impulse, an undeniable impulse to help mom and dad in their work. And that is exactly how we should read these opening chapters of Genesis. As the Bible opens, Genesis chapter 1, God is hard at work creating the sun, creating the moon, creating the sea, creating the creatures that are in it, creating the animals that inhabit it. And then in the passage we read, This morning, chapter 1, beginning in verse 26 and following, God makes the crown of his creation, you and me, saying, let us make man, humanity, man and woman in our image after our likeness. And here it is. Here is the invitation from the Father to join in the work that he has done. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. Let them have dominion over the birds of the heaven, over the livestock, over all of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. Our work has the highest dignity as its source. God himself is a worker. And like a father or a mother, invites you and me, his children, to join him in it. First, the dignity of our work. Second, the direction of our work. Apparently, these are... first ancestors, Adam and Eve, were some sort of prehistoric gardeners taking God's creation and caring for it and stewarding it. While all of creation is a product of God's handiwork, he passes on the responsibility to cultivate God's creation to you and me. And Adam and Eve, these first gardeners, exercised their dominion, their stewardship over God's creation by cultivating it cultivating what God has created. Therefore, it's important for us to make a distinction between creation, what God does, and cultivation, what we do. Gardeners are cultivators. You and I, in our work, are cultivators. You would find, you would find it hard to think of any vocation which is not somehow fit under that broad umbrella of cultivating what God has created. Every parent is a cultivator, a cultivating what God has created, namely their child. Every teacher is a cultivator. Every doctor, every lawyer, every baker, every candlestick maker is, in fact, a cultivator. And so not only do we find the dignity of our work, we find the direction. We are cultivators of God's creation, taking the natural world 
and preparing something good, something excellent out of it. It is our tradition at, on Labor Day Sunday to hear from a member of our congregation about how they cultivate God's creation. We've heard from architects, we've heard from nurses, we've heard from homemakers. Last year we heard from a baker. This year I've invited Jim Vandehei to speak about his labor and the work that God has given him to do. Jim and his wife Autumn, their children James and Sophia, have been members of Christ the King for some time. Jim is a journalist working first for The Post, then for The Wall Street Journal, before co-founding Politico. Recently, he watched, launched a new media company called Axios. Now, Axios, interestingly, is a, a word that you find in the Bible. It's a, a word that's in biblical Greek. It's a word that means whole, or worthy, even holy. Uh, it's a word that the Apostle Paul uses liberally, that verse in Philippians when the Apostle Paul says, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is lovely, if there is anything excellent, anything worthy, there's that word, anything worthy, think about these things. And that is a great goal for any company, much less a media company. Jim, thank you for sharing with us. When David asked me to speak, I must confess I was a little apprehensive. Uh, I think it's a combination of my Wisconsin reticence, uh, the fact that I was brought up Catholic, where you're taught to go to church, uh, practice the sacraments, and then never speak about it uh, in public. Uh, and, and also, I'm in the media, right, which is not a hotbed of religious fervor or Christianity. Uh, so, but in reflecting on it, I would encourage everyone to reflect about how your work intersects with your faith. This process, to me, has been awesome. And, and in some ways surprising in, in ways that it shouldn't be. Because if you think about, David was talking earlier about how much work eats up our life. If there's 24 hours in a day, you should be sleeping for eight of it. Of that 16, from high school until we retire, it's almost all work. You're either driving to work, driving from work, working, talking about work, belly aching about work, doing stuff work-related or hanging out with people who you work with. And so... The more I reflected on it, everything about my faith, where it's been tested, uh, where it's been sharpened, so much of it does happen uh, at work. And my profession of journalism, like where I, if you had, had known me pre-21, being 21 years old, like I was lost. Like I had no idea what I wanted to do, bad student, all of that. And my, my profession gave me purpose. And in that purpose, it really did sharpen my faith. And as David said, I'm, I'm in the media. I consider myself a, a journalist. And when I got into the profession 25 years ago, I, I thought it was universally accepted as a really honorable profession. I will say things have changed in how people think about the media. There's half of the public now, probably half of this congregation, thinks that what I do is fake. We have a president who won the presidency in part by coming up with the term fake news and fake media. And it clearly uh, stoked a lot of people who believed in that. There was this absurd poll last week that Fox News did where it asked, what's a bigger threat uh, to the world, white supremacists or the media? We lost in a landslide among Republicans. So that, that's how people think about it. And to me, it's boggling because I got into journalism because to me, it really is biblical. It's about truth and informing. And I can't think of anything more important. I really believe in what I was called to do. And to me, journalism is ultimately how do you get to the closest approximation of the truth 
then be able to articulate it in the crispest, most clear way and get that to as many people as possible. To me, that is something that is uh, very glorifying to God. And when I got that purpose 25 years ago, I was a practicing journalist. And there's a couple things that it takes. You have to care about truth. And you have to have some level of fearlessness. And fearlessness, because you're going to get criticized. And I think this is true of almost every profession now, but certainly in the media, you're going to get uh, criticized. And I'm not, fearlessness is not recklessness. It's not, I'm going to ride my mountain bike off a mountain and hope I don't break my knee. It's fearlessness, just having something rooted in a confidence about what you're doing, even if everyone else is going to yell at you, be mad at you, critique you. And over the last couple of years, there's one scripture that really is sort of guided me at work through thick and thin, and it's from Corinthians chapter 15, and it's, by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. And it strikes home for me because I've always seen with such clarity that this is what I was meant to do. And I always had that fearlessness. And I remember the first job I got was at a little paper that everybody reads here called The Brilliant News in Wisconsin, a little tiny farming community. But the smartest thing I ever did in my career is I made a bunch of phone calls and I begged people for a job. I was in college, I just turned 21. And some guy let me run his newspaper for a summer. And from that very moment, I always knew, and I probably had my seventh job. A lot of us changed jobs more than certainly my father's generation did. I've never doubted a single move that I make, even when it's hard. And then the criticism that naturally comes with being in the media, whether I was writing about farm policy in, in Brilliant or covering the President of the United States for the Washington Post, you get a ton of criticism, and you have to have that fearlessness. And my fearlessness comes from my faith, that I know this is what I was called to do, and I know that I'm seeking the closest approximation to the truth that I can attain. And that fearlessness is it's so core. I remember my poor mother when she uh, discovered the Google and she, and she went on to Google, and she typed Jim Vandehei in there. And my mother's not a crier. And when she called, she was near tears. She's like, is this all this true, all these nasty things? Are you really a liberal hack? Uh, <laughs> and I was, no, mother, no, no. That's just sort of how the Internet uh, works. Uh, my, wife's favorite, well, my wife's favorite one, there's a liberal columnist uh, who, who later actually converted to Christianity. But at the time, uh, she used to write that I was a pug-nosed purveyor of conventional wisdom. And so you look at the nose, she, she got that right. Uh, conventional wisdom, we can, we can debate. But I always, I, I never doubted, uh, Autumn and I talked about this, I never doubted even when people were, were critical of work that we're doing because of that faith. And so until 10 years ago, that was my life. I was a, a journalist and, and only a journalist. And then my career shifted. And it was, again, a moment of certainty. And I, and I do believe uh, God speaking to me in terms of, like, what is my calling? We started a company. And I had never run anything. The, the, when we had started this company, I had the only thing I had ever run, literally, was a night shift at Little Caesars 20 years earlier. And so, and we had little, my kids who are here now, they were little. So, like, the idea that Autumn would let me do this was crazy, the idea that we did it. But we were certain uh, in doing it. And at that point, I shifted, still being in the media, but from being a journalist and thinking about truth to, to be, being an entrepreneur and then to being a leader, a manager of people. And to me, there is no more awesome responsibility and no more awesome opportunity. If you manage one person or 500 people, I think we have such an obligation 
to carry ourselves in a way that I think would be both glorifying to God, but also inspirational for the people that are around us. And I've learned so much in the, in, in the 10 years of doing that, of, of trying to lead people, do it in a way that, 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 that is true to our faith. And if you, like, and, and I don't, I don't, this is the first time since Sacred Heart Parish when I was in 11th grade that I've talked in church. Like, I don't often uh, talk about uh, faith. But, so, so our culture, if you look at our culture that we had, both at Politico and what we have now, I didn't do it because I'm trying to spread Christianity, but you would read it, and I think, I think David would be pleased by it. We've talked a little bit about it. It's all about truth. It's all about humility. It's all about doing the tough things when people don't want you to do the tough thing. It's all about pushing ourselves to be the best version of ourselves. And, and then something happened. All that time, never talking about faith, never ever pushing it on anybody, never raising it on my own, I left a job to start a new one. And in that, we, it was, it could, there's parts of it that were, were messy and, and, and people weren't always the best version of themselves. And I remember sitting out there and David was preaching and I think he was talking about uh, your kids at the time. And you were talking about when you think about doing the right thing in a global way, it's so overwhelming. And his advice, I believe, to his kids was, all you can do is do the next right thing. The next right thing. And it simplifies life. If you're just thinking about what's in front of me, am I going to do the right thing now? Unbeknownst to him at the time, it became a rallying cry, not just for myself, but for a whole group of people who ended up leaving a company in a difficult circumstance. And, but doing the right thing, are you doing it honorably? Are you doing it honestly? And from that, that, that period, I've had four different people come up to me and say, why? Like, why did you do that? How did you carry yourself in that specific instance? And it was the first time I had the opportunity to say, it comes from my faith. I didn't seek that out. It was an opportunity that God presented me to be able to say, it's because I had faith. It's because I listened. It's because of a great sermon that David Glade gave that was able to give me direction uh, in difficult times. And so that led me to creating a, a company called Axios. And what David pointed out, again, I didn't purposely pick out the word Axios because it has, uh, because St. Paul talks about it or because it, it is familiar to people in the Eastern uh, Orthodox Christian Church as a chant that bishops uh, do when they're uh, being, or, or priests when they're being ordained. It ha but what, what caught us was this idea of being worthy, worthy of your time, worthy of your trust, worthy of your attention. I believe powerfully in media. I believe powerfully in journalism. I believe powerfully in truth. I don't, sometimes facts are facts. Sometimes truth is truth. Sometimes right is right and wrong is wrong. And we built an entire company around that. How do we help people at this time where you're hit with so much information, the vast majority of it garbage, how do you sort through that and actually take advantage of what should be information nirvana so all of us can get smarter about politics or science or business or technology? Because especially for the young people in the room, the world doesn't get easier. It gets exponentially more complicated. Change doesn't slow, it speeds up. And so if we can be worthy of someone's time, that's a great, that potentially could be a great company and I think a great cause and, and something that's deeply rooted in my own faith. The 
And the culmination of all of that is, is, is that leadership thing about building a culture and then building a, now sort of a management culture of how you teach other people to lead. And again, not purposely biblical, but if you read our management principles, and there's one that David and I have uh, talked about, I think, I think it would be pleasing uh, to most. And, and I'm, I'm going to read one of them. And one of them, uh, they all, we all have these little catchy slogans, but one of ours is, when bad stuff happens, shine. Full disclosure, bad stuff is a different word in the non-church version of it, but it's when bad stuff happens, shine. And, and this is verbatim. It's easy to manage and lead in good times, but it takes exceptional strength and character when things go south. In turbulent times, be calm, show grace, think deeply, then act decisively even when it hurts. And so, so much of that is informed from everything that I was put in a position to learn through journalism, through management, through leadership, and now that you get to be able to pass on. And so again, I feel like that is glorifying uh, in what I do. Uh, I'll end with, uh, in reflecting on this, like when we, at Axios, when we, when we write items, we, we try to make it as efficient as possible, and we say, here's the fact and why it matters. So to me, like the why it matters from all the thought I've put into David's charge to, to, to talk about and think about my job and my faith is this, is that if you have a passion, so if your passion is being a doctor or if your passion is being a musician, whatever it is, if you have a passion, it is a gift from God. And one of the things that I've learned in my 46 years is that if you can make that passion your job, you're virtually guaranteed that that dimension of your life, the professional dimension of your life, will be joyful. But that if you can take that passion, you can make it your job, and then you can do something, whether it's tiny or majestic, to glorify God, you're not only going to have awesome joy in that professional dimension of your life, you're going to have deeper meaning, and I guarantee you a deeper understanding of your faith. So thank you very much. Thank you, Jim, for sharing. These are great questions to ponder on this Labor Day. Three questions that we could conclude with and walk out the door pondering. What is it that you do? A journalist isn't just a story writer. A journalist is concerned with truth. What is it that you do? What's the work behind your work? Some of us are retired. That doesn't mean you've ceased to work. You just have different forms of work. You may be unemployed, that doesn't mean you're not working, your work at this point is to find work. What is it that you do? Some of us are working at home. That doesn't mean, certainly doesn't mean that you are without work. It means that your work is just that much more demanding. What is it you do? What's your work? Secondly, why do you do it? It's a great note about passion. If you are fortunate enough to have a job that relates to your passion, Boy, that's a rare privilege. Why do you do it? God's providential guidance of each one of us tends to be a combination of three simple things. Of what do you care about? What are you good at? And what can you actually do? Answer those three questions, and more than likely, you'll find in the crosshairs God's calling on your life. Last question, how do you do it? 
by which I don't necessarily mean ethics. My assumption is that ethics is a foregone conclusion that we would all do our work ethically. I guess what I mean more is enthusiastically. Do we say, thank God it's Monday? Does our enthusiasm for our work reflect what a biblical vision of work, that God is calling us to somehow be co-laborers with him in his vineyard? A word of prayer. God, thank you that you have called us each to work, that you give us skills and passions and opportunities. Thank you that you are always at work and you invite us to join in your work. Amen.